Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, it's so nice spending time with you today. Um, wherever you are on the other side of that screen, uh, it's so wonderful that you're taking the time to journey with us through this series called Restart, where we're looking at what it would mean to restart our lives. Now, I'd like to start off this, with this story. It's a story that took place on the 24th of March, 2010, about 10 years ago. And um, it was a time when I was on my honeymoon with my beautiful and lovely wife. And uh, I actually planned a very nice time for us. We ended up in Cape Town, and that's exactly where I was on that date. And it was my wife's birthday, my newly be wedded wife, which was very exciting. We planned an amazing time together. And that evening, uh, I actually had an amazing session for us to go up to Table Mountain and uh, just bless my wife by looking at this amazing sunset going down over the oceans and seeing the lights of Cape Town coming up, rising. But uh, needless to say, when we phoned to get onto Table Mountain, um, something not so nice happened. We were informed that it was covered by clouds. And being people that grew up in Pretoria, we really did not know what they meant by covered with clouds. Only until we arrived, we got the opportunity to go up. And when we got up, they said zero visibility. And now I understand what zero visibility means. It means you can only see a meter in front of you. So kid you not, literally, we were walking like this trying to find ourselves, uh, find our way on Table Mountain. And then finally, we ended up in a tuck shop, the only place where we could actually see one another now. Uh, we drank some nice coffee, a very expensive coffee, by the way, because it's on Table Mountain. And then as we were drinking coffee, my wife looked over at me and she said, well, um, yes, wouldn't it be so nice if God just like opened it up and we could have this amazing sunset or sunrise or sunset for this evening. And as she's speaking to me, I kid you not, wind blows over Table Mountain and all of the clouds pull away over the sea and it was absolutely amazing, breathtakingly beautiful. And we enjoyed that moment really a lot and it's like something we treasure still today. They then had the siren going off on the mountain saying it's time for us to go down. It's the last cable car going down. And as we got into this cable car on our way down, I could see from a distance down there somewhere, there is a car whose lights are on. And I think to myself, well, shame, poor bloke who left his lights on. I'm thinking of the man. He's going to be walking tonight. And as we're getting closer, I realize I am that poor bloke that left the car's lights on. And it was absolutely terrible. So we arrived at the car and I put in my car keys and I turned the ignition. And you know, when you turn the ignition, there's sometimes a little bit of hope. You have that sound that go. When I turned the ignition of our honeymoon car, this is what it sounded like. There was nothing. And now we had a problem. And here's the big problem. Because right after this engagement, we were going to a nice jazz restaurant. So my wife was dressed in a nice, nice dress and everything. And uh, she does not know how to run start a car in second gear. So needless to say, we had to, at that stage, on our honeymoon, on my wife's birthday, in her evening gown, 
she was pushing the car while I was sitting inside of it because the battery was flat. That's literally the honeymoon moment on my wife's birthday on our honeymoon. Now, why am I telling this story? Because for so many of us, that's been the case in 2020. Our lives came to a radical standstill moment. It's almost like that car being parked by the side and we keep the lights going or we keep the radio on and our batteries get flat. And we need to restart the car because the car is meant to be driven. You can't leave things on and pull it over to the side and continue with life in, in some other way. It's going to get flat. And we're looking in the series at what it would mean to restart, to jumpstart that battery. And one of the big things, we've started off with reflecting on the past. Last week, we looked at what it would mean to rebuild. And this week, we're going to be looking at one of the things that God gives us to help us to live the life he created us to live, to regroup, to be part of a community with him. Now, the first thing I want to share with you guys about community is that community is God's idea. This is his plan. He designed it. He's the author of community. It's his plan. In fact, in Genesis, we see God creating. On day one, he creates light and he says it is good. Day two, he creates the sky and he says it's good. Day three, he creates the land and the sea and the plants and the trees and he says it is good. Day four, he creates the sun, moon and stars. He starts filling the skies. He says it's good. Day five, he creates all the creatures that flies in the air and swims in the sea and he says it's good. Day six, he creates animals and then finally he makes the crown of his creation. Humanity, you and me. And he says, not just good, he says, very good. And then there comes this moment where we see up until this story, God is making stuff and he's declaring that it's good. And then in verse 18 of chapter two in Genesis, something changes, something radical happens. God looks at his creation. I want to read it to you. And for the very first time, he says something in his creation is not good. Let's read Genesis chapter two, verse 18 says, then the Lord God said, it is not good that what? That the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for himself. The very first thing God declares in his creation to not be good is that you and I are living outside of relationship. We were meant to live inside of a community, a life-giving community. I wonder if you knew that. In fact, God thinks it's good for us and it's really good. A community is good because, because it's the only place where you and I can be known and know. It's the place where we can love and be loved. It's the place where we can celebrate others and be celebrated by them. It's the one place where we can fully and truly transform because we're open and we're transparent in a life-giving, safe relationship. As individuals, that's the place where you and I grow. There's the saying that we get drunk alone, 
but we get sober together. And what this saying is trying to get across is the following. It's that we heal inside of community. We may stray. We, we may go to a place where we were not designed or created to live and to be all by ourselves. But in order to heal, to be restored, it's essential for us to be connected to a life-giving community. Today, if you're watching online, I really want to encourage you. If you are not yet in a life-giving community, connected to a life-giving, Christ-centered community, it's not enough to try and journey with Jesus alone. That's not the way He made us. He made us to heal and to enjoy the fullness of life together. So I want to encourage you, find the life-giving community close by, wherever it may be, in your vicinity and in your area. Because God made you for it. It's His idea and it's a good one. The second thing I want you to know about community <clears throat> is that even though God created community for you and me and that it's good, is that there is this instant that there was a big break in the way we do community. And here it goes. I want you to journey with me. It's in Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to discover what happened in this moment. Because up until now, God has been telling and declaring what is good and what is not good in His creation. But in Genesis chapter 3, we see for the very first time a part of God's creation standing up and challenging whether what God says is good is actually good. And he goes to Eve, it's a serpent in the form of a serpent, and he tells Eve, Eve, did God really say? He tempts her, he lies to her, and deceives both Eve and Adam to give in to the temptation to declare what God said is not good to be good. And they take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the hope that this will be better than what God said to not eat from that tree. And something drastically happens. And I want to pick it up in verse 7 as we read it. It says the following, after they've done this, their eyes were both opened. <clears throat> Suddenly they could see something. And they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. So just two things. Up until now, God said that it's good for, for you not to be alone. And here we see right after they turned against God, they start believing a lie. The very first thing that happens is they start covering up. Don't want to share the full me. I'm ashamed of who I am. I'm in a space of guilt. And they hide from one another. They isolate themselves from one another. And from that day on, whenever we get to other people, it's kind of like we want to put this mask on. We want to hide the true self because the true self will never be good enough. Who I am, and if anybody in this world would just know what I know about myself, Lorraine, you will not want to know me. So I'm going to give a presentation to you of what I think would be okay. And we lose the opportunity to be truly open and honest and transparent in a life-giving relationship. 
Those are the two things that happens. And guys, this is the nature of sin. Sin wants to isolate. It wants to isolate us from one another. And it moves even further than that. I want to read it on to you because then in verse 8, the next step happens. We see the man and his wife heard the sound of God walking in the garden. It was the time of evening. And what did they do when they heard God was there? They decided to hide from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And ever since then, that has been the struggle. We've been struggling to enjoy true community, a community with one another and together community with God. We're missing out on this because of guilt and because of shame, because of sin bringing guilt and shame into this world. You know, I've had so many conversations with people telling me, Lorraine, you know what? I first need to sort out my life before I can come back to church you know how strange that sounds? It's kind of like someone saying, you know, to get this uh, dark room light again, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to actually have to uh, throw out all the darkness before I start switching on a light. That's crazy. The only way we, we remove darkness is we just switch on the light. Need to get back into the presence of God. But guilt's removed our confidence to be in community with him, even though we were created for it. It's his idea. It's good. Shame. We hide ourselves behind our masks. Can I be honest with you? This is one of my greatest struggles, and I believe for so many people, that I hide behind a mask. Because if they would know the true Lorraine, and I hold back, they would never approve. And therefore, I hold back on who I truly am, who God made me to be. I'm not open, vulnerable, honest. It's only in a life-giving community that you and I can get to grow. Because if we stay in this place, the next step is pain. We start assuming. We start accusing. We start thinking things that's not true. And we get misled and we isolate ourselves more and more and more. Sin will want you to isolate yourself even to the point of death. That you do not believe you're so bad. You're not good enough. The best thing for you would be to just leave and leave this world. Now, if you're maybe in that space today, I don't know how this COVID has handled you and how you feel as I'm speaking to you. I want to tell you that there is a glorious hope for you and for me. And it's actually found in the, the next verse. It's in verse 9 of our story in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, where it says the following. It says, So the Lord God called out to the man. You know that God is calling out to you. That God is making the first move to restore community again. Even though you're hiding from him, he made the first move. He's the one reaching out to you. Maybe today you're sitting here and you're asking yourself, why did I even sign up to look at this? I want to tell you, God might be calling out to you right there and saying, you've hid from me for far too long. I've created you to be with me. Second thing that happens, the first one is God pursues you. And the second thing that happens, so there's our hope. It's not in us, it's in Him. 
He finds man. And he says to them this following question. He asks them, where are you? I want you to note this, that the first thing that God is concerned with when he found Adam and Eve is not what have you done, but where you are. You're not where you belong. Why are you hiding away from me? You know, I have cups. We all drink coffee. And when I drink coffee after I've uh, drank my coffee and I washed my cup clean, I put it with the other cups. Why? Because it's a cup. It belongs with the cups. And God created you in His image and in His likeness. And you belong with Him. There's something wrong. The first thing that God notices and addresses is, why aren't you with me? Why are you hiding away from me? I didn't create you for this. It's not good. It's good to be with me. And, and here's the good news. God did close that gap. He pursued us first. While we were still sinners, He showed His love for us. Jesus came from heaven, clawed His way down onto earth to close the gap so that you and I can live the life that He made us to live, to be in a God-giving, love, authentic, real, life-giving community. I want to end up with this story. In the last days that Jesus was walking on this planet, there are three people that I want to point out to you. There was kind of key figures in His last few moments. The first one was Judas. And I want to start the story off where they're around this table and they're busy with the Last Supper. And um, <clears throat> at a moment in this table, Jesus warns Judas that he should not believe a lie. Because you see, Judas has started to dive into exactly like Eve did, believing a lie, um, that something that's not good would be good. And Jesus warns him about this. And Judas decides, no, he's going to go his own way. So he cuts himself off from family. He runs and he does exactly what he's asked not to do. Warned not to do. And what happens to Judas after that moment? Well, guilt and shame overwhelms him. He misses Jesus' crucifixion. He misses Jesus' resurrection. And ultimately... He finds himself isolated, alone, not wanting to live anymore, ultimately taking his own life, leading to death. Then there's the second char character. His name is Peter. Also in the same moment, Peter at a certain stage confronts Jesus and he's filled with bravery like, oh, Jesus, you know what? I will never forsake you. I will never be a Judas. I will never be that guy. And he thinks he can make this life work on his own, his own strength. Jesus warns him. And, Jesus, and Peter discovers that Jesus was right. Peter, however, misses Jesus' crucifixion. But something radically happens. There is an extra moment of grace as he runs with John. And he discovers with John the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter gets restored to the life God made him to live. The third character, his name is John. And we find John in that same room, lying on Jesus' shoulder, close by his heart. 
engaging in what God made him to be. Where do we see John? We see him at the crucifixion, at the cross, with Jesus' mother. We see him with Peter at the resurrection. And finally, we see him filled. He's the last disciple still alive because he believed. He put his trust in the word of God that community is what God made you for. I want to leave this question with you today. Where are you? Are you running from God? Are you trying to make this thing work by yourself? Or are you like John, giving yourself fully for what God created you to be? Let's pray. Father, I want to pray that wherever people may have been led astray, where they've been overwhelmed, sitting in a space where they've isolated themselves, God, I want to come and pray in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into a life-giving community. Thank you for the blood of Jesus covering every part of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame has been dealt with. We can enter back into the presence of the living God. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.